Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for Security Now is provided by AOL Radio at AOL.com slash podcasting. This is Security Now with Steve Gibson, episode 89 for April 26, 2007. Web Insecurity. Security Now is brought to you by Astaro, makers of the Astaro Security Gateway. On the web at www.astaro.com. And by Nerds on Site. Looking to grow your IT service business? Find out how Nerds on Site can help. Visit IWantToBeANerd.com. Time to gather together to talk about security, something very important. Uh, today in computing and the internet, and of course, there is no one I'd rather talk to about security than my trusted friend, Steve Gibson of GRC.com, the man who's done more to secure individuals, I think, than anybody else. With Have you hit $50 million yet uh, on we're, Shields Up? I, I just looked at it this morning. As a matter of fact, Leo, we're at 49.2 million <laughs> uses of Shields Up. So yes, we're approaching. That's going to be really neat to actually cross the 50 million uses of Shields Up. And as Steve, Steve will say, but I just I, I want to reiterate this: that if you hit it like three times in the same you know hour, that's one. That counts as one. Steve, Steve's talking about these are kind of unique hits, uh, you know, at, at different to, you know way different times and so forth. This is people actually using it. That's really amazing. Fifty yeah, it's, million. It's, it's actually a it's a good count because I keep track of in in a list the IPs of the most recent four thousand. Actually, you know, four K of course, four thousand ninety six. Being a programmer. <laughs> and if the same IP is still in the list, I move it to the front of the list and don't count it again. So, you know, and with about 25,000 people per day, wow. Um, wow. you know, so it's going to last maybe four hours. And yeah. so if someone comes back after that length of time, I think it's reasonable to, ca- to count yeah. them again. Yeah, they've done yeah, something if, and they've checked, ch- changed their system and are trying it again. Right, but yeah. if they're if they're poking around at the site, I only count them once. So Amazing. it's you know I'm really happy with that number, and it's you know in fact someone in the UK just yesterday I got a link I saw posted in our news groups um, has done a he he's like an IT guy with one of the major UK magazines did a user's guide to Shields Up because he was tired of answering the same questions over and over and over. <laughs> hey, that's handy. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's very nice. <laughs> Although I have to say the uh, online uh, help in Shields Up is so good that I almost always refer people. I just say, hey, read. Once you get your results, read what Steve says about it, because it's everything you'd ever want to know about port checking and all that stuff. Right. I mean, it's all in there. Hey, before we uh, get going, I know today we're going to talk about uh, WEP and the recent developments in uh, WEP insecurity. Uh <laughs> Yeah, I was thinking of calling the episode maybe even more badly broken web. <laughs> broken broken worse. Even more badly, broken yes. Broken worse. I do want to tell everybody we're brought to you, as always, by Astaro, the good folks at Astaro who make the incredible Astaro Security Gateway hardware. And, of course, as I've been saying, version 7 is out now, which adds some nice new features, including server-side, appliance-side, I guess you should say, decryption and encryption and digital signature of email using SMIME and OpenPGP. They also have uh, VP, SSL VPNs now. They've got scalability via clustering. And for home users, they've extended 
the uh, ability now you not only could you you could always download the software free but now you get a uh, base license including all subscriptions and a Starro up to date for up to 10 uh, IPs 10 users or 10 or 1000 concurrent connections so if you've got a old computer lying around this is the ultimate really great useful security gateway software that you can use including spam sub- subscriptions antivirus and anti-spyware subscriptions so it's really useful Starro a s t a r o dot com or uh, you give them a ring at 877, the number 4, A-S-T-A-R-O, and you can set up a free trial of the Astaro Security Gateway in uh, your business. It is really the name in security appliances, Astaro at Astaro.com. We thank them for their support of security now. Do we have any um, errata, addendum, something? No, nothing? we don't have nothing. any errata. Nothing. We did a, we did a, um, Q&A. a Q&A last week, right. so we didn't have any errata from that. But I do have a really fun testimonial that refers to the testimonials that we've received in the past from Spinrite from a security now listener that I want to share with people because this is you know this is the kind of story that I that really makes me feel neat about Spinrite. You get these uh, stories every day it seems like. There well yeah, I'm I I, I <laughs> yes. It's kind of neat. I, I mean that's I really have, neat. It must make I you have feel lots good. of them. It, it's it is neat. This is from a guy named Duncan Smith who is one of our listeners and he says dear Steve and all at GRC I've listened to so many of these testimonials on Security Now and now have reason to join the ranks of ecstatic customers with yet another, quote, <laughs> Spinrite saves the day, unquote, story. My mother, and I think this he must be English from, from some of the idioms he uses. You'll, you'll hear this in what he says. He says, my mother retired several years ago and enrolled in part-time classes for a horticultural degree. Yeah. For the for the past 6 years, she's been working away and for the last 9 months has been undertaking her final dissertation. To celebrate the recent completion uh parens but not submission, uh-oh, of the dissertation uh-oh, and my was <laughs> right. <laughs> oh. 9 months of work on her oh. dissertation. You know where this is going. Yep. So he says uh uh, to celebrate the recent completion of the dissertation and my father's recent retirement, they embarked on an eight-week trip of a lifetime to New Zealand. Last night, I got the dreaded phone call. Her PC was stuck in a never-ending loop of restarts, never making it into Windows. The hard drive was also making unusual noises, unquote, and her local PC store, as well as a computer-savvy neighbor, had suggested the hard drive was beyond repair wow. and all was lost. Oh. She oh. had no backup oh. and the PC contained oh. all, all her degree work oh. and all their digital pictures from the from that holiday oh. and several years oh. of other holidays. As if the as if the, the, the thesis weren't enough. Yeah. Oh geez. It's all the photos. So you know, she, it still so, gets me that people are not backing up. Just drives me crazy. It's just you know, it's because of course, you know, I've lived with Spinrite and these kinds of problems and solutions now for I think like nineteen years, twenty years. It's just that the computer works today and they turn it on tomorrow and it works and they figure, well, it'll work day after tomorrow. I mean it's just you know, it lulls, it truly lulls you into sort of a false sense of security. And the other thing is, I think when the computer's new, it contains nothing of value that isn't obviously immediately replaceable. And over time, it, that value that it stores grows slowly. And so there's never really an event 
where it's like, oh, now I really need to start backing up. It just creeps up on yeah. you. Yeah. And there's suddenly, no warning. There's no warning. Yeah. Anyway, so he so he finishes. He says, I've been considering purchasing Spinrite for a while. So I had no hesitation in grabbing a copy before driving over the, to get the PC. Setting it off, I went to bed hoping the testimonials I have heard were as trustworthy as the advice you give on security now. <laughs> I awoke this morning to find Spinrite had finished its business, restarted the PC, and it booted first time. Woohoo! One hour later, all documents were backed yeah, up, yeah, and I am... And I am seriously in my parents' good books, if, as he puts it. If God or Steve Gibson gives you a second chance, take it. <laughs> <laughs> so he said. He said, "I'm serious in my seriously in my parents' good books." Oh, that's neat. Perfect timing, as I have a house move coming up, and my wife and I need some extra babysitting oh. for my daughter. Now there's he, a testimonial. And he said, many thanks for the great product and for all the work you put into security now. That's the headline. Signed, signed Duncan Smith. So. Spinrite gives you babysitting time. That's, <laughs> that's the headline. I like it. I like it. That's hysterical. You know, uh, it reminded me with a chill kind of what, what happened to my wife on her master's thesis. Um, she didn't have security now. Uh, it was lost. And she didn't she, have Spinrite. I mean, Spinrite. Yeah. And she, I mean, she didn't have security now either, but she didn't have Spinrite, which is what more to the point. It was lost, and uh, and she actually had to take that whole year over again. So it can it can go really badly. Oh no, kidding! Yeah, wow. Yeah, she she got an incomplete for that and had to had to do it all over again. Oh. Ooh, yeah. I know it sends a chill just thinking about it. She did it. She got her uh, degree and she got her uh, her uh, license. But boy, I mean, that's talk about dedication after that. Well, um, remember this is maybe why she never uses computers now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Well, and it, it takes one event like that, and then you then you, back up. you realize, yeah. okay, this you know, I really have to, I really have to keep backups. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, um, let's you, talk you want, about you, you. You wanted to talk about eBooks a little bit, right? Well, yeah, you know, uh, it's funny we've become the uh, eBook guys, haven't we? <laughs> I've all, I, I've been an eBook guy for a long time, and I could I, I could never go with it because you were reading them on these little tiny palms, right? So um, you and I both bought a Sony e-reader, and we've been spending a lot of time talking about it. We're not going to – don't worry, folks. We're going to get right to web in a second. But uh, we were getting a lot of great email from people suggesting other places to get free e-books, uh, websites, and so forth. There really is – even for the Sony, there's a lot of choices out there. So I'm very yeah, pleased. Yeah, and uh, I did want to mention your reaction so far to Gibraltar Earth. Oh, I love it. You know, I, it, I'm always a little nervous when, um, you know, I read stuff that hasn't gone through a regular publisher and isn't on the book stands and stuff. And I don't know why I shouldn't be. Um, this is great. This is great. And, and Michael McCollum deserves all praise. I can't wait to read. I bought the Antares trilogy and the second uh, Gibraltar Sun about halfway through Gibraltar Earth. It's fascinating. I can see where it's going to. Well, and uh, and Sun is yes, yeah, Sun is the second in that trilogy. Oh, Clearly, it's a trilogy. The, oh, well, good. I, actually, yes, I finished book two, and and I wrote to Michael and I said, you know, you have built such an, a cool universe. Right. Please don't be in a hurry to finish it. Good. I mean, I'd liked him to have two more books, but he's like, uh, I don't know if I've That's got That's kind two of how books. I felt about Fallen Dragon was uh, don't, you know, gosh, you, you've created something here. Yeah. And we all want to go back there. So don't stop, you know. Yeah, and I, all I can say, Leo, is you have 
so much good, oh, good reading ahead of you. And, you know, this is now, so I've read over a thousand pages on the Sony ebook reader, and I'm very comfortable with it now. One thing, though, I've only had, it's only gone down through the charges twice, which is more, you know, faster than it said it would, I have to say. Um, have you listened to any music? No. Nope. It's just, okay. just reading. Um, and it's not charging. I'm thinking maybe the first time it didn't fully charge because it's, I don't know if there's something wrong with my charger or whatever, but it doesn't seem to be. I'm going to leave it overnight tonight and see what happens. But it doesn't seem um, to be charging up. Have you had trouble with the charger? The yes, red light's I, coming on. Yes, um, I, I've had the same experience. Again, this is you know first generation, and this, and and this is unusual for Sony to have a problem like this. But what I noticed is I'll plug the book in to its charger. Red light comes on. Red light goes off. Yes, it some it's still not charged. Right, that's what. And happened. if you just do it again, it okay. like kicks it a little bit okay. bit more. All right. So I, know, I, I'm yeah. not, Although I've been reading with one bar for like five days now. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I, so maybe that's why I had to charge it again is that I didn't really fully charge it the second time around. That's probably I think happened. you probably. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Is, is it probably didn't work. Now, it, it happens from a from a electrochemical standpoint that that lithium ion batteries are a little tricky to charge because the the charge stop point is set by by the terminal voltage on the battery and that can be tricky to get right that is it's possible for it to like get a little false trip now that's probably what's happening yeah obviously this is a problem everybody else has solved and who knows maybe it's because it's got linux in there uh and it's you know missed an interrupt or something but it's certainly the case that if you if you try a couple times you'll end up getting a charge okay yeah, I mean, I, I have to say, the, the ability to carry it with me everywhere at such a small package and have so many books in there is really, really great. Yeah, I love and it. And thanks to Michael McCollum for, for going to the extra effort to make it work on the Sony Reader. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> I appreciate it. It's really great. <laughs> Highly recommended. Sci-fi-az.com. And for what it's worth, I've had other feedback from people who are similarly loving his books. Is he published? So, uh, does he have other novels that are published? Are these published, or is it all self-published? Well, it's uh, he's got a publisher. For a long time, he was using a regular publishing channel, mm-hmm. but he ended up getting the rights back. I don't know Good. if they expired or whatever, but he's he literally now, I mean, you can buy his books in paperback, and he's got a complete printing system, a whole binding system, so the books that you buy from him, he has printed, and but, but I think, as far as I know, they're professionally you know put together. So it's cool, because he's getting 100% of the revenue from that, Less the direct cost of of printing books, right? Which, and even you know, more from the from the the uh, ebooks, exactly. And he deserves it. They're really I, good books. I can't wait for the third or fourth, maybe in the Gibraltar series. And right. I can't tell you, Lee. I mean, the Antares stuff is even oh, better. I think. Oh, really? Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, I think that what the other. We'll say one more thing, and then we're going to go honest. We're going to talk <laughs> about security. Uh, what's exciting about this is it it is it, it, these readers make it possible for anybody to be an author. Because the cost of publishing is so low, and if as these readers proliferate, as I hope they will, uh, you, you'll have a large universe of readers for for virtually no cost, the cost of bandwidth alone. And exactly, and of course, the internet is the other enabling factor. Right, right. It, it's just it's going to be exciting. Cool. I I love these times. I must say. Now, the internet is also a scary, dark, forbidding place with evil men desperate to get into your system. <laughs> No, not really. But but anyway, you, you, sometimes it helps to think of it that way in terms of security. And 
That's what's going on with WEP right now. What, fill us in on this here. Well, we haven't talked about WEP for a long time. Uh, back on episode 11, which was, what, 78 episodes ago, uh, back in October of 05, was our coverage of, it, the actual title was was Bad Wi-Fi Security. Mm-hmm. And that was really the the... The, the last time, although we've, we've mentioned it in passing many times since, but it's the last time we really gave strong coverage to the problems with the original encryption for Wi-Fi, which was called WEP, which is an acronym, WEP, which stands for Wired Equivalent Privacy. And the goal of WEP was, and the reason they named it Wired Equivalent Privacy, was they, they wanted to create a level of privacy for radio Wi-Fi that was, you know, they felt was as strong as if the communication was wired, as if it was wired equivalent. Well, they really fell far short of that. And a couple weeks ago, a new group, uh, three German guys at a technical university in Germany, published a paper where they demonstrated how they had figured out that they could crack WEP, that is to say, uh, determine the encryption key being used in under a minute. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> now, how long now did it take a, before? Well, it, it took much longer. In fact, it, it took on the order of 5 million packets captured that was the key you had to have a certain amount of data before you could crack it exactly these guys have brought that down to about forty thousand packets from five million two orders of magnitude that's quite a bit faster it's it's a huge gain so um now this is still significant you know people might be saying ah yeah what you know we all have wpa now so who cares well the the fact is that the the demographics show that no encryption is being used on 25% of wireless networks. WEP is still in use in half of wireless networks, and the good, virtually uncrackable WPA encryption is only in use in about a quarter of wireless networks, which is to say that the fact is 75% uh, of wireless networks today are either have no encryption or web encryption and only 25% are essentially uncrackable and as we've said many times those WPA networks that is to say Wi-Fi protected access networks they are only as good as the quality of the password because their weakness is brute force cracking of the password right web's weakness is far more extreme um so so to paint the picture what this means for example is you, if you were using a a a a hotspot where you were using web encryption as many do because it's because it was the original encryption built into wi-fi you always have WEP. It's the kind of default, the, the fallback, the last resort. Exactly. And in many cases, it's the it's what is like first on the menu. Right. It's the one that the system will choose for you. I mean, for well, a perfect example of this, Leo, is back when we were 
originally telling people, please, please, please do not use WEP, use WPA. We got a lot of email from people saying, I would love to use WPA, but my, you know, my Waza Gaza doesn't support it. Or, you know, my TiVo won't support right. it. Or right. my this or that. I mean, right. they were like, all these problems with, with people trying to use WPA. I mean, there are even people who have now dual Wi-Fi, one with WPA and one with WEP, where like they use WEP with their TiVo because they really don't need encryption, but they'd like to keep their neighbors from using their Wi-Fi. And so you could argue that WEP, well, actually, until a couple of weeks ago, WEP was probably good enough for for keeping you know your 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 neighbors off of your network now it really isn't any longer well is, is this fairly easy to do i mean is it just a program you download off the internet and it does it or do you, yes oh, proof boy. proof of concept code is now posted on the internet which means it'll be in cane enable or one of these tools any minute now Yes, well, it is. It, it is in the um, the air crack suite, oh, okay. which well, which that is was fast. Exactly, it took no time. And the reason this is significant is it's one thing to say, yes, I can get into WEP with five million packets. Well, five million packets—that's a lot of packets. You have to sit out and, in the curb a long time, and you'll be noticed. You you need to bring your your sleeping bag, <laughs> right? If you're going to do that right. here, it's a thousand 40, times faster. I mean, now now. 40,000 packets, you could say, okay, well, that's still a lot of traffic. Well, let's, let's walk through how this is done because what, what I love about this and about talking about this specifically is that it brings, it brings out many of the, of the foundations we've laid before about the way crypto stuff works. Um, the first, in, in the first case, you need lots of packets. Well, uh, well, and you need not only lots of packets, but you need packets that you know something about. Well, the the way that Ethernet is glued together is with what's called ARP, the Address Resolution Protocol. With with and what ARP does, and we've discussed this in the past. So if anyone wants to go back and like listen to an episode all about ARP, in fact, where we talked about how. ARP can be abused in order to create man-in-the-middle attacks. It's one of the reasons, for example, in, in a hotel setting, you do not just want to plug yourself into the hotel network because it's, it's trivial for someone to intercept your traffic due to ARP spoofing. Anyway, the way ARP functions is any money on the Ethernet sends out a, a broadcast to the entire network saying, I need the MAC address associated with this IP. But what ARP does, and the reason it's called Address Resolution Protocol, it resolves the relationship between IP addresses and MAC addresses on an Ethernet LAN. All Ethernet LAN endpoints, that is all NICs, network um, interface cards, they actually are addressable by their MAC address because the IP protocol is just one of many protocols that they could support. You could be token ring. You could be, you know, any of a number, you know, for, for example, IPX, uh, SPX, the, the old Novell protocol, all these things run on Ethernet. So the IP protocol needs a way to figure out which adapter card on the Ethernet 
we want to send our data to. So, so a station on in, 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 in whether you're wired or wireless will say, we'll broadcast to everybody who's, who's the MAC address for this IP. For example, the gateway IP in order to send the traffic to the gateway in order for it to get routed out of the LAN onto the internet. The, the, everybody receives this request and the, the one proper, presuming there's no ARP spoofing going on, the one proper adapter that has that IP responds saying, I'm the guy with this MAC address. Okay, so all you have to do in order to, in order to generate a lot of packets is broadcast this request all the time, and you'll get a whole bunch of oh, responses. So you can stimulate it, in effect. Exactly. You can tickle the network <laughs> in order to cause it to, to j- j- just like, you know, flood it with this data. Now, what's very cool about ARP, it, well, <laughs> cool except that this is how this is huge leverage for the attackers is that the, the first 12 bytes is never, it never changes. The, the first 12 bytes of an ARP request happen to be AAAA03, then three zeros, then a 0806, a 001, 0800, 0604, 0001. Those are the, the first 12 bytes of an ARP request. The mm-hmm. ARP reply has exactly the same bytes, except the very last byte is a 02, which actually is the flag saying, I'm a request or I'm a reply. So, so now what we've got is we, we are able to watch ARP traffic on the network. And in fact, one of the things that, that uh, one of the many things broken about WEP is that there's no what's called um, uh, uh, replay attack. I was blanking there for a second. There's no, there's no replay prohibition. Meaning that you can, if if we're we're just listening to the network now, we can't inject a packet because we don't know the the encryption key. So but what we're able to do is we're able to see packets that other people are generating, and they will occasionally generate ARP packets because. This is something the essentially ARP times out, and then and then you need to renew your knowledge. So when when we see an ARP packet, we can capture it and then send as many more of that packet as we want in order to generate responses. So we're using the same packet we saw once, and WEP doesn't prevent you from doing what's called a replay attack, which is to say replaying the same packet over and over and having it validated. WPA, the good encryption, never allows the reuse of an entire packet. So so it has replay prevention, attack prevention, WEP does not. So we, we, we capture an ARP packet uh, and we're able to identify it by length and and send it back into the network in order to generate lots of traffic. So, okay, so now we have a whole bunch of these packets. Well, if we remember the way WPA works, I'm sorry, not 
WPA. That's the good encryption, WEP. The bad encryption, WEP. Right. The way it works is it uses a, a pseudo-random number generator, an encryption uh, system, a, 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 a pseudo-random stream generator called RC4. RC4 is, is initialized with an encryption key. Typically, it's either 64 bits or 128. 128 is, is the, the large size key, obviously, and provides substantially more protection than the, than the 64-bit key. So, so 128 is what this attack is, is cracking, and certainly that's what anybody who didn't have some real reason to have weak security, you know, if you're using WEP at all, you, you would certainly expect it to be cranked up all the way. So this the 128-bit key is broken into two pieces. There's a um, a 24-bit uh, sort of front piece and a 104-bit back piece. So 24 plus 104, and you get 128, which is where the total key length comes from. Well, this 24-bit front piece is is called the initialization vector, that is the, or IV for short. What happens is the uh, most adapters just use a counter to count this initialization vector upwards. Chain, th- th- thus, you have a counter on the front of the other 104 bits that are not changing, giving you an always changing 128-bit key. Unfortunately, only the front of it changes, not the whole thing. So what happens is the way RC4 functions is this 128-bit key is used to generate a pseudo-random stream of bytes. Those bytes are XORed with the data. And we talked about XOR back when we were talking in, in detail about encryption and decryption. The idea is if you have a, a string of randomness, and you XOR your so-called plain text or unencrypted data with this randomness, what you get back out is random. And if you are truly XORing with randomness, there is, and this is what's so cool about this, is there's no way to decrypt that. If you, if you mix plain text with something truly random, what you get back is as random as the original random stuff, even though it's been modified by the by the by the unencrypted data by the plain text and what's what's neat about xor is that it's it's easily reversible that is you you re-xor the encrypted text with the same randomness and it, you and what falls out is the so-called plain text that is it decrypts well that's that's cool except it's a problem if you ever use the same random data twice. That is, if what you're XORing with is not totally random, not truly high-quality random data, then you've got problems. And this is the the main weakness with the wired equivalent privacy approach. Since we know the first 12 bytes of our ARP packets, all we have to do is XOR those first 12 bytes with 
that, 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 that is, that we see in the air passing by on Wi-Fi, we XOR that encrypted data with the what we know is the first 12 bytes of an ARP request or reply, and what we get back is the first 12 bytes of pseudo-random data. Oops. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. And so... so as we get all this pack, all these packets, we take the packet, XOR the first 12 bytes, and we capture the first 12 bytes of pseudo random data for that corresponding key. Mm-hmm. Now, in the, uh, the front of the packet is this, is this IV, the initialization vector is the, is unencrypted 24 bits of that is changing each time that has to be unencrypted and on the front of the packet because the receiver has to have that in order to add it to the secret 104 bits in order to make the 128 bit key in order to generate the same pseudo random stream of data from the RC4 cipher in order to XOR the packets contents. So we're, we're able to stimulate the network to flood us with ARP replies. We, we capture the packets, XOR the first 12 bytes, and save the 24-bit IV and the, the first 12 bytes that we know is generated by the RC4 algorithm. Now, all of that's been done before. The... The prior approach for cracking this, the the thing that needed the 5 million packets, it was an approach where um, it required that many because it was error prone. If you were, it it also required that you, you were only able to essentially crack the key from the first byte, then the second byte, then the third byte. That, that, that is to say, in byte sequence. And if you made any mistakes in guessing, because these are all sort of statistical processes, if you made a mistake in guessing, then you and you realize, wait a minute, this doesn't seem to be working. You have to completely backtrack and essentially start over again. What these guys did in the paper that they published a couple of weeks ago was they used a, 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 a different approach, sort of based on the first one, but, but using a, a, a different style of statistical checking, which allows them to determine individual bytes of the key with no reliance upon previous bytes. And that gives them this tremendous gain factor. In, in cases where they're not able to absolutely determine what a byte of the key is. They're able to at least determine um, what it probably is. That is, they, they may have, for example, 5 or 10 or even 20 bytes, but that's much better than 256 because, of course, there are 256 possible combinations of a, sim- of a single byte. So in the worst case, what they've done is they've hugely narrowed the number of possible bytes that a, that an individual byte of the key might be, and RC4 is so fast that they can then test 
all the keys that are possible, even if they can't determine exactly what the key is, in order to verify that they've got the right byte determined. So it's a smaller so, set. It's, it's something you can, it's doable. Exactly. Yeah. It hugely reduces the set because, you know, if, if you had 256 times 256 times 256 times 256 for like, if you know, like for four bytes, that's a huge number, right. much lower. Well, it's 4 billion, um, much bigger than 10 times 10 times 10 times 10, which is just 10,000. Right, right. So it turns out that the, 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 the speed of RC4 that, is the, that makes it possible to test guesses so quickly leveraged with this algorithm that they've come up with that allows them to, to determine the individual, you know, like the most probable byte and then second and third and fourth and fifth and sixth probable bytes for each byte in the key, that gives them their leverage. The result of, the, of this is that if they they're able to collect 40,000 packets by stimulating a typical Wi-Fi network in about 53 seconds <sighs> then in less than 3 seconds <laughs> on a medium speed thinkpad they used a 1.7 gigahertz uh, pentium m thinkpad uh, in less than 3 seconds they can process the data they collected and so that brings them to about 56 seconds and they have a 50% chance of having cracked the key in in under a minute if if they if they give themselves 2 minutes then it their their probability increases to 98%. So the reason this is significant is that this is going to change this changes the calculus as we were saying before needing 5 million packets means you have to have a motivation right. for cracking the network. Well, and I, I mean, people. I would tell people use WPA, but if you if you can't, it's okay to use WEP because it's enough of a barrier to eliminate all but the most determined hacker. Well, that's no longer true. Right. In fact, you you. I mean, it's almost faster to do this than it is to enter the web key <laughs> for a network that you know. Right. It's like oh, I'll, you can't I'll just turn the web key, just crack it. <laughs> yeah, or, yeah, you know, you if you type, it. It, you know, you type it in wrong. It's like ah, uh, this is this is faster than than dealing yeah. with t correcting a typo. Wow. Or like going into your going into your um, router configuration or your computer. It's like forget it, just crack it. It takes a minute now. I'm sure there are videos on the net already showing how to use AirCrack to a crack web in less than a minute. Well, and as you might imagine, this news got a lot of attention, and because it, I mean, it really does change the calculus. You could now just open your laptop, run your cracker, and you can imagine that within within a month there will be turnkey tools. Sure. It's like don't even bother filling out the web form anymore; <laughs> just crack the key because it only takes sixty seconds. Well, I, I would never do this, but I have to say it's kind of tempting because many's the time I've I've had access points I could have used if I only knew the web key. And you know, I mean, if you can't get online any other way, I, I'm sure there are people not as ethical as you and I who would do that. Well, we from time to time we've made security now predictions, Leo, and uh security now prediction would be that in a in a short order we're going to see some tools that are turnkey, yeah. easy for anyone to use, and it, it I mean it really does change the calculus. So the takeaway message from this is that if you're using Wi-Fi 
and it's not WPA encrypted, you you either A, don't want to use that, that Wi-Fi network, or you want to make sure that you're providing your own encryption. Mm-hmm. You're using a VPN or you're using HTTPS. To, so, so, so that essentially your traffic is running through an independent layer of, of encryption, a so-called, you know, we've talked about tunneling a lot. So, for example, if you're using Gmail, make sure your HTTPS colon slash slash mail.google.com or Yahoo or whatever. You want to make sure that that you're providing your own encryption because you really, unless you're using WPA, and that is unless the 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 network that you're hooked to is using WPA, uh, WEP is just it's just no longer provides virtually any protection. In other words, treat a WEP access point as an open access point because yes, there is. there's virtually no difference. This podcast is brought to you by Nerds on Site. Go to IWantToBeANerd.com. You too can be just like Steve Gibson. Uh, Nerds on Site is kind of a neat business. It's a uh, it's a support business for people who are in business for themselves. So nerds are independent contractors. You're in business for yourself, but not by yourself. You focus on your passion and not the burdens of running a business. It's really kind of the best of both worlds. And by the way, all over the world, seven countries, including Canada, U.S., Mexico, England, Australia, South Africa, Bolivia, I think a couple more, they're looking for nerds with competencies in, in a lot of areas, PC and Mac experts, Cisco, Oracle, you name it, they need it, fix-it technicians, website designers, programmers, product managers, sales trainers, security experts, antivirus gurus, and more. They help you run their business, your business, they help you get leads, they help you build a business. If you're a nerd and you love working with people, go to www. I want to be a nerd.com and register for a nerds only meeting in your area today. By the way, you get some neat tools, including SpinWrite. I want to be a nerd.com. Now, wait a minute. You said if you're a nerd and you like working with people, <laughs> that's kind of a contradiction, <laughs> isn't it? There are such nerds. No, actually, those guys that I met, they're definitely very they're personable. Yeah. They're personable nerds. And so, you like yes. working with people. Come uh, on. Uh, when I have to. Yeah. Only when you have to. <laughs> only when you have to. All right, Steve Gibson. What a, you know, I'm really glad you covered this because it's been all over the place. And uh, as always, uh, you know, I think it's great to get the actual facts. Um, also, I, I should point out that people talk about WPA being cracked or WAP, uh, w, yeah, WPA being cracked. It's not the same, is it? No, no. In fact, the, the, as we said before, WPA, the only known crack for it, because this was designed by real security guys, as we, as if, as, as we said in back in episode 11, the, the original, um, encryption, WEP encryption was designed by engineers and they had the best of intentions, but it's just, it's just, embarrassingly riddled with problems. WPA was really designed by crypto people. The one the one attack, and this is not WPA's fault at all. There's, There's literally nothing, you, nothing you could do about it. Yeah. The one attack is the so-called brute force attack where you, you capture some packets on the network and then you start using all the virtually every possible decryption key of course, you don't want to just start unless you really have to with A and then B and then C and then AA and BB and I mean, you know, AB, AC and so forth. What you'll do is you'll use a dictionary attack trying 
combinations of common words, hoping that the user did something like that. So the only real way to to hack into, as far as we know, WPA is by by using a brute force attack. So what you want is a really unguessable password for WPA, something unlikely to be, you know, in anyone's dictionary, just all kinds of random stuff. And of course, that's why I created the 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 passwords page at GRC. If you go to GRC.com slash passwords, I give you over a secured encrypted connection a bunch of raw material. You can use it as is. You can grab some uh, refresh the page a few times and then, you know, cut and paste to put your own together if you're not comfortable using one that actually came from our server. Um, and the technology that's, that, I, that I developed for that guarantees we will never issue the same one twice. So it's impossible for anyone to get that. In fact, this, I, know I use one directly from that page and, I, you know, it's in a little file on a USB dongle that I carry around whenever I want to put another another system on my own network because lord knows i mean this thing is just literally gibberish and i have you know i kind of recognize it visually now but i don't know what it is <laughs> if you don't know what it is i think it's pretty hard to guess if you can't yep. remember it yep. all right steve we're going to wrap it up uh we'll be back next week with more security for you we encourage you to uh, patronize our fine sponsors they keep this show afloat and we thank them for uh, supporting the show it's really nice to you know, get your emails to get your donations and and to get the support of sponsors too. It really makes this all uh, happen, and uh, we thank you all for uh, being so great. I mean, what a great audience we've built with this show. Um, and of course, you can catch Steve every week on my radio show because he does a little mini security mini security now on the radio show. So we're trying to get the word out to an even larger audience, and that's. Uh, on the Premier Radio Networks on uh, XM Satellite 152, Saturdays and Sundays. And you're at a different time, so I, won't, I don't know what time to say. I just rotate you around so everybody gets to it. Cool. Thanks, Steve. We'll uh, talk again next week. Right-o. Security Now.